Welcome to AUKUS Amplified from the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons. We're advancing hip and knee patient care through education, advocacy, and research. Welcome back to the AUKUS Amplified podcast from the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons. We're recording here live at the fall meeting in Dallas, Texas. This is the fourth in our series of five podcasts, highlighting some of the most interesting research presented at our fall meeting. And my name is Stefan Obini. I am the chair of the Digital Health and Social Media Committee. I'm a professor at University of California, San Francisco. And joining me today from Digital Health Committee is Sean Patel. Please introduce yourself. Thank you, Stefano, for having me. This is a great series. I'm Sean Patel. I'm an orthopedic hip and knee surgeon at Kaiser Permanente in Orange County, California. I'm also a member of the Digital Health Committee. And today we have with us Rob Runner. Rob, you want to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm Robert Runner. Uh, I did my fellowship at Hogue Orthopedics in Irvine. Uh, now currently practice at Rancho Los Amigos uh, as part of the LA County Health System uh, in Los Angeles. Happy to be here to talk about our paper. Yeah, we got an all-California crew here today. <laughs> Just noticed that. Relevant to the topic, which helps. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So Rob, you, you did a very interesting study. I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit more about how you got interested in this study and a little bit more about the background. The study we looked at was CBD and THC use in patients undergoing total joint replacement. So uh, let me stop you right there. What is CBD and what is THC? Yeah, yeah. Just more letters for us to memorize? Or yeah. these, what are, mean? these are sort of the components of cannabis. Cannabidiol is the CBD version, and then I think it's tetrahydrocannabinol is the THC proportion. Each have sort of certain properties in the cannabis plant anti-inflammatory effects and things like that. And so uh, their use is somewhat controversial uh, across the nation, obviously with the federal regulations. And so we wanted to say, as California developed uh, recreational marijuana policy, what is this effect on arthroplasty patients and, and what patients are using? Now, no, both of those are psychoactive. We're going to tell us a bit Correct. break up. Yeah, the THC is the more psychoactive component, whereas the CBD, cannabidiol, has more of the anti-inflammatory effects. The specific uses and ratios haven't been determined as to what is optimal yet, and there are many products on the market in terms of different dosings, different ratios for each of these individual components, uh, which we do want to kind of identify and moving forward, what is the right amount uh, from that standpoint. So what did you specifically investigate regarding these substances? So for us, we looked at patients who had undergone total joint replacement who had previously had part of our narcotics group where we had looked at their narcotic usage after surgery for a six-week period and piggybacked on that project to say, hey, which of these patients were using CBD or THC products in conjunction with that? And so we could try to see if there was an effect of the use of CBD and THC products on narcotic requirements after hip and knee replacements. And so this specific paper we're discussing today was focused on the knee side. Our version of the hip uh, was a poster here as well. So Rob, I imagine you initiated the study to see if there was an impact on post-operative pain requirements. Um, can you talk a little bit more about your methods and the different types of CBD and THC um, supplements you were looking at? Sure. So for the methods of this paper, we had already done a prospective study looking at narcotic requirements and then, then performed a retrospective analysis re-questioning these patients to determine what their CBD and THC use was and then subcategorize them into users and non-users. I want everyone to know there are many different types of products out there. There's creams, tinctures you can take under the tongue, balms you can rub on the skin, vaping, smoking marijuana, edibles. There's so many different products out there that we didn't have the granularity to look at product by product. We just grouped them into 
users versus non-users just because there's so many different things out there at the moment. We don't know what people are using now. So that was sort of our intro into the field. So can you talk more about your methods of your data collection and how you did the study if one of us in our centers wanted to conduct a similar study? We had 89 patients that had completed the narcotic six-week follow-up for the knee portion. We then went back and retrospectively surveyed all of them through either an in-person or phone interview, and they completed a 13-question questionnaire on their CBD and THC use in the three months prior to arthroplasty and the three months after arthroplasty procedure as to whether they used what products they used, if they used them or not, and then how frequent they used them, whether it was on a daily basis, multiple times a day, occasionally once a month, uh, and then we're able to subcategorize them from there. So what did you find? So from the study itself, the most kind of pronounced variable that we looked at was how many people were using CBD or THC products. And in the knee cohort, that's 22.6% of patients use CBD or THC products in the perioperative period around joint replacement. So that was our most interesting finding is that a quarter of patients in the state of California Mm -hmm. are using these things. So whether, whether you like them or not, you have to be aware that patients are using them. And which time period were these patients? Was it more recent cohort? Yes, so this is all within the last year once recreational marijuana use was legalized on January of 2018. 2018. Yeah. Okay. And I know you didn't have the granularity to know what kind of use cream, balm, tincture. Was there a majority or a predominance that you were finding? Were people rubbing this on their incision or what was going on? The most common form was either balms or creams mm-hmm. at around 60% of users. Then you also had tinctures under the tongue at around a quarter, 25% or so. And then smoking marijuana and edibles was much lower at around 14% each uh, in terms of the types of things. Uh, you could take multiple. Some patients took creams and tinctures and did and did multiple mm-hmm. dosing methods. The frequency side, most commonly it was either daily or multiple times a day for the usage in the 30 to 35% range, but there were many different patterns out there. And mm-hmm. so this we're just starting to figure out what people are using, how they're using it, getting into it. Were you able to determine what percentage of patients were using compounds that were primarily CBD mixes or primarily THC? We didn't get into that granularity. I wish we had the opportunity to do so just because there's so many on the market. When we ask them creams and lotions, many of them we try to ask, do you know what your ratio was? The most common response was unknown. Got it. Um, and sometimes it had, they know, but it was very infrequent. And the bulk of the creams are mostly CBD heavy because they're not regulated. They can be sold over the counter. They don't require to be sold in a specific place. Whereas the tinctures and of course the edibles have a higher percentage of THC as a rule. Let's talk a little bit about the basic science that we know behind these two sub products of the cannabinoids. What do we know about the efficacy of CBD by itself? THC by itself and in combination. Yeah, sort of the thought process behind it for getting into the arthroplasty and arthritis literature, there's cannabinoid receptors in the knee and in arthritis patients. It's upregulated, so there was a basic science opportunity to look at it from the standpoint of they work independently, but they have a synergistic effect when they're taken together. So when we're talking anecdotally to patients, their most common sort of effect has been a high-dose CBD with kind of a whiff of THC to potentiate the effects of the CBD itself. Uh, in the anti-inflammatory realm. And just to be clear, if you're taking it in those doses, you're not high, right? You're not Correct. This is not a psychedelic effect. This is not, obviously, if smoking marijuana to get high would be a separate group. This is more of a creams, lotions, tincture style that would be locally absorbed or can be systemic in the tincture under the tongue. 
Do we know enough about the side effect profile or conjunction with other medications that we do routinely prescribe pre and post operatively to give some guidance to our patients? In my opinion, I don't think we have that information yet. I think we're still just getting into the uh, regulation of cannabis and CBD products and not knowing is part of our issue is that we're at the point now where it's important to be able to do research to notice the effects and understand them. Because if you look at the cannabis market over the next five years, it's expected to quadruple in the billions of dollars, whereas there's limited regulation on it that we don't know what companies will be coming out with, what's working, what's the right dose. And to be clear, the science we have today is that CBD by itself is no better than placebo for just about everything. I think it's uh, there's a tremendous amount of marketing that's not regulated and uh, because it's freely available over the counter for a reason. Uh, the FDA has chosen not to regulate it because it has never been shown to by itself actually have any measurable physiologic impact. Am I reading the literature so far on yeah, that? Yeah, as far as I know, that's all that's been said. And even at the dosing, you'd have to get for the CBD products, it's in the thousands of milligrams per one. And so the products on the market now, you can write CBD on anything and you have no idea what quantity of CBD is in that product because it's not regulated. Or quality. Correct. So that's where one of the biggest issues will become in the future. And what do we know? Because there's a pretty decent literature on the impact of combinations, so CBD plus THC, the psychoactive element of the cannabinoid family, together seem that there's some data there that seems to be positive. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And that's, I think, potentially through that synergistic effect we talked about before, where having a high dose CBD with kind of a whiff and almost a thousand to one or two thousand to one ratio uh, to be able to potentiate the effects. And it's, I, I don't know the exact scientific mechanism that it works at the local receptor level, whether it's the THC upregulates the cannabinoid receptors as to why it has a better effect, but that has been seen in the literature so far. So Rob, overall, you practice in California, and this is going to be an issue for you increasing over the future years. What uh, takeaways did you have from the study, and how is it going to impact your practice? Yes, I think the, the biggest point for me in a state with recreational marijuana use is available and CBD products are coming to market. People will be using it. A quarter of total knee replacements use it before or after surgery. Uh, the biggest thing now is how do we differentiate this going forward as to what products are out there, CBD alone, CBD with THC, THC alone, and how those products can affect patients is sort of the next realm. We hoped here just to introduce the concept of patients are using, what do we need to do next? And I think that's sort of the next step for us. And to be clear, there's no data that it harms patients, right? Currently, yes, that's correct. Yeah. And the CBD part, it's freely available as an over-the-counter, really. So, And that's because the FDA doesn't believe it has much of an impact at all. It's the combinations with the THC that may have an impact, are regulated to a degree, and that we don't really understand how they work. Correct. And that regulation on a state-by-state -state level is what's going to have to become. If we're going to study this at the national scale, we'd have to figure out how to navigate that system. Yeah. Certainly for me, one of the things is like, you know, just to remind patients, if you're going to be putting a cream on your leg, please keep it away from the wound. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, you have to assume that they're doing that now, so as opposed to just ignore it and just make that point to them. So as we all go back to California, what would be your <laughs> take-homes? What are you going to be thinking about as you navigate back your patient population? Yeah, I think uh, over the recent years, every time I speak to patients, it seems like the awareness and the questions that I receive are just increasing regarding CBD, THC, 
I think it's very important for us to be able to study this to a deeper degree and to be able to provide further guidance to our patients because I think we know maybe as much as they do at this point with our lack of knowledge on what impact it's having on their pre- and post-operative recovery. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's that point's very well taken, and hopefully at some level we can reduce our narcotic requirements, and this may be a potential avenue in the future uh, to look into. Awesome. I think that was a really great discussion about an emerging issue, potentially an opportunity for us to help uh, our patients decrease the use of narcotics. You brought to our attention the fact that this is no longer something that happens with young kids. This is in our 70 and 80-year-old patients are looking into these opportunities, looking for pain relief. We thank you for that. I congratulate you for being accepted as a presentation here. And with that, I'd like to welcome everybody can join us again at our next uh, ACUS Amplified uh, podcast in the series. This is the fourth. We have one more coming. Any last minute thoughts, Sean? No, I think this is a great series, and I encourage everybody to subscribe to our channel. And I uh, look forward to the next podcast. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Great. And if you do subscribe, please give us <laughs> lots of stars so we get a wider audience. Thank you again. And we'll call it a day. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for AUKUS Amplified. Visit aahks.org to learn more about how members of the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons educate, advocate, and investigate in the field of hip and knee replacement surgery.